competitive 40k network presents art of war art of war strategy and tactics discussions with the best players on the planet on the planet with your host paul murphy and expert coach nick nanavati Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Art of War podcast. My name is Paul Murphy, your host. I'm joined by Nick Nanavati. Hey, Paul. How are you doing? Loving it, man. Glad to be here with you. We have a like a, a really special episode, a little bit different than what we had done in the previous weeks. We have two guests, two guests hot off of their performance, basically tearing it up in one of the largest tournaments in the universe, the London Grand Tournament. We have the Invitational winner, Vic Vijay. Yo, guys. Glad to be here. And then the the overall Grand Tournament winner, Alexandra Sacco. Hello, guys. Thank you for having me. Yeah. Welcome to the show. Uh, really can't wait to talk about y'all's list, the similarities, the differences, your approach to the game, how how they may be the same, how they could be different. You know, really welcome to the show. This is well, also welcome to the listeners as well. Talking about Emperor's Children. Emperor's Children. I'm super excited to get into the nitty gritty of that good stuff, the Emperor's Children. Alex, Vic, where are you guys from? Tell us a bit about yourselves. Uh... I, uh, I from I came from France. As you can hear <laughs> into the episode, I came from France, uh, from the south of France, and this was my first tournament, uh, really big tournament ever. That's amazing! First really big tournament ever, first place. Really well. Congratulations! Congratulations. Yeah. and uh, I'm based in the UK, and uh, yeah, I've been playing competitive 40k for about four or five years, and uh, I've been hitting up all the big tournaments I can over the last couple of years, and. Uh, this LGT was the was the latest one, and well done to Alexandra for for winning the whole thing. Thank you, thank you, guys. Well done, both of you, and you're both warrior members. How could we not mention that? Yeah, we are warrior member. I am warrior member for more than one years now, and I have actually learned a lot for, by watching the the match, the coaching match, and everything. And the Discord was the best thing I could have with a warrior member. Yeah, that Discord's big money. Uh, I've been uh, what I remember for a long time. I'm pretty active on there, sharing ideas and things. Uh, good community. Oh, that's very that's sweet to hear. For those of you not in the Discord yet, you can become a Discord member along with part two of the podcast. Paul, what do you get in part two? In part one, we're going to discuss the list themselves, maybe the command points that are, you know, the, the strategies and, and what you save for and the secondaries and choices and, you know, kind of the general approach to the game. In part two, that's when we get down into the real nitty gritty about matchups, ways the list might evolve, uh, how what players might be able to take advantage of that they weren't using to beat you. Like, we're going to talk about, like, what could beat these unbeatable lists. We're going to talk about how you made these lists unbeatable and the matchups specific in part two. So if you have not already joined us for part two, I highly suggest you do if that is something uh, is of value to you because we get some great insight over there. And it's uh, it's me and Nick breaking it down with these amazing winners team. from all over the world. Uh, yeah, with with the Emperor's Children basically secret out of the bag now. Yeah, now they're on the radar. Emperor's Children are good <laughs> with performance, high-ranking high performances all over the globe. Let's talk about it. Uh, Vic, let's start with you when your list, and it, can you break it down for us? And and then we'll jump over to Alexandra to talk about maybe uh, that list and what, what might be any differences there or tweaks that have, that have happened. And then we'll also talk about some of the similarities. Sure, of course. So my list was designed around a single 
Emperor's Children Battalion and also Supreme Command. Supreme Command has Abaddon the Despoiler with his Warlord traits. And then we've got three HQs in the battalion. We've got a Demon Prince with Mantle of Traitors, Master of Possession, and a Dark Apostle. And then we've got five units of Noise Marines. They all have a Power Fist and Blastmaster except for the last unit, which just has two Chainswords on the leader. We've got ten Cultists, ten Terminators uh, with five Fists in the unit. Two uh, Venom Crawlers, and that rounds out the list. So quite simple and straightforward. Looks like it. You know, what we were talking about in the pre-show is this almost looks like you you maybe got like three or four battle forces and just threw it on the table. <laughs> yeah, nice and simple. Just found the thing that worked and tried to, to kind of optimize around that really over time. Well, we'll talk it's about almost... the sweet science here in a, in a, in a second. <laughs> Alex, why don't you walk through your list as well? Yeah, uh, so my list is... Basically the same as Vic. I have one Supreme Command with Abaddon. I have one single battalion with three HQ, the Dark Apostle, the Bastard of Possession, and I have the Lord Discordant and then the Demon Prince. The Lord Discordant have the Flame of Spite and Mantle of Traitors, so he's ruling Isle Wound and It Wall. I have 10 and 10 cultists. I have uh, 20 Noise Marines, everything with Blast, uh, Blastmasters, Power Fist, and Icon of Slanesh. That's four units of five. Yeah, four units of five. I have 10 Terminators with the Black Rune of Damnation. I have but the maximum of Fist I can put in the squad, so like two Chain Fist and six Power Fist. I have five Possessed and White Venom Puller. So really similar list here. Um, the difference is Vic has a fifth Noise Marine unit, and you have... What, what what am I missing here? A Lord Discordant? Lord Discordant and a Possessed. That's it. Lord Discordant instead of the Demon Prince. Uh, and I have a second Venom Crawler uh, instead of the additional unit of Cultists, I think, plus a bunch of upgrades on weapons. And uh, Alexandra's found the extra points for a unit of Possessed instead of my last unit of Noise Marines without a Power Fist. Wow. So really similar armies conceptually. Or, am I, or, or do you guys disagree with that? Absolutely. Okay. There's almost a beauty in the simplicity to it, right? There's so when you open up the Chaos Space Marine Codex, or at least when I do, I see all these warlord traits and relics and combinations, all these different legions that have something really unique and powerful to offer, and then all these data sheets that, in addition to plus one wound, also often got plus one attack and actually good stats. And this army hits now. So I guess to each of you individually, why Emperor's Children? Let's start with you, Alex. So why Emperor's Children? Because I think. Creation of Bile is the most obvious choice, uh, but it's going to get nerfed like uh, Dark Alley Queen got. Uh, so Emperor Chichon, uh list is really cool. Uh, we have a lot of fight first. We have the Inuring Malusius with uh, Emperor Chichon is really big on Fist. So this is why uh, I take Emperor Chichon, uh beside other Legion. And they have a lot of freak in stratagem, everything. Uh, I mean... The possibility, the possibility of streaks uh, is incredible. You have uh, six inches intervention every week on character. We have a fat last. You have a fight on death. You have almost uh, a fight first everywhere in your army. So yeah, uh, Emperor Children for me is the best legion in the book for now. So all of the fight control and just general combat stratagems and things like that? Yeah, yeah, just that. And with having uh, the noise marines in troops, so being upsec with that gun, uh, the Blastmasters is really, really, really powerful. Um, and uh, having them 
in troops of sake is not a, a tax you know uh, a lot of army troops as tax and not in uh, um so i think this is one advantage of um Right, so actually troops you wanted to and get excited about. I can get yeah. behind that, because Chaos Cultists and Legionnaires aren't the tastiest of troops. Vic, what about you? I mean, Alexandra's hit the uh, the key points there, but essentially Chaos Space Marines in pretty much any lead, other Legion except for this, has a, has a bit of issue with finding any form of efficient long-range shooting. And um, the Blast profile is, is extremely premium anti-tank. Walk us through the Blastmaster profile. Of course, sure. So it's it's a very powerful weapon. Uh, you can have one in a unit of noise marines, and that's the cap, even if you had a unit of 10. And the profile is a 48-inch gun, which is heavy 3, strength 8, minus 3, and 3 damage. There are a few synergies with Emperor's Children, though. First of all is that you ignore hit modifiers, so you can move and shoot with no penalty. Uh, the next one is any sixes to wound is an additional point of AP, so you can push it up to AP minus 4. And the because it is a, a sonic weapon, all sonic weapons get plus one damage and half range. So you can get pushed up to four damage in, in half range at 24 inches, which is still pretty long. On top of that, it has a second profile for some reason, <laughs> which which it always did, I guess. But uh, the second profile is a 36-inch range, assault six, strength five, minus two, two damage weapon. Uh, well, one damage, but two damage in half range, uh, which is extremely versatile, powerful kind of gun in the unit. Nice. So that's... That's obviously the noise marine parts to the army mm-hmm. and why they're so good. But when you think of chaos, you know, there's so many options in there, like warp talons, obliterators, possessed. I know everyone's hyping about possessed. Um, different legions are very good. Black Legion, Fabius Pile. I guess you have a very narrow selection of units, you know, noise marines times many. Both of you took the Terminator unit and then like venom crawlers, two venom crawlers, venom crawler possessed, kind of the same idea, the way you're using them. And you both landed on Abaddon. How did you come up with these combinations, I, I think, independently, and, and why? Yeah, so um, I think as you play practice games with these kinds of lists, which don't necessarily um, stand out on paper as being extremely strong, you start to identify the amount of melee and the amount of shooting you need to uh, kind of create a successful list. And I think the noise marines being taken at this quantity by both of us shows that when you hit a certain amount of that unit, you get enough shooting threat that you can outshoot someone, for example. You can apply enough pressure. I think if you only had, say, one unit of noise marines, you might not be able to kind of put enough long-range pressure for it to make a difference. And I think that's how the the combination of units kind of ended up being found. I don't know if that's the same for you, Alexandra. Yeah, the, you said it. I mean, uh, just after that, I changed my list to have a fifth squad of noise marines. So you see? <laughs> that's awesome. Um, okay, cool. So I guess that now we're getting to the meat of it. How does this army actually play on the table? What's the general strategy to it? So the general strategy is basically the same, at least for me. And because I didn't have the Demon Prince that Vic had, uh, I had less choice in secondary. I mean, uh, I took every game, almost every game, banners, assassinate, and no prisoners. Only against Harley Quinn, I took the Long War because the secondary game is really bad in uh, Chaos Space Marines. And Vic took the choice to have this... Uh, psychic choice that the demon prince is and since i had the lord discordant i mean i needed to go arm uh, and to kill so the place is 
basically the same. Uh, does the army against uh, have a shooting? Yes, then I need to go behind win and use a lot of my defenses buff. Uh, if the army doesn't have shooting and is not really fast, I just need to go to put everything in the middle to have the charge turn two, turn three. Like against Necron, uh, I mean, you can throw everything in the weapon. It doesn't matter since Necron doesn't deal that much damage. And you need to kill really, really fast because a lot of army can outscore you with secondaries. So you need to bully them on primary game. You need to kill the, the unit really fast. Uh, otherwise, uh, they're going to outscore you pretty fast. I think of Harley Quinn and Necron, sisters, everything like that. I don't know if Vic agree with me. I have a question, though, first before we get to that, is that you mentioned that you didn't feel like you had quite the access to secondaries because of you didn't have a Demon Prince, but you do have a Psyker. You know? So explain that to me. What secondaries did you think you were limiting from yourself uh, w- without the, the Demon Prince specifically? Uh, I mean, uh, Orb Psyker is basically here to put three spell, and we need every game almost every turn, this three spell, uh, the plus one. But think Terminator 25 is really important with a minus one to wound. So uh, gun with strength eight gonna wound Terminators on a four ups. And the five up in the pain is <laughs> almost auto-nuclead every turn, every everything you can put it. So yeah, I couldn't manage to use my master of possession to do psychic action. So basically your, your master possession was too critical and, and unique in the role to actually do his psychic ritual because he was busy casting his powers. That makes perfect sense. And then you're saying Vic went for the variation of getting the psychic ritual. We'll get to you in just a second, Vic, about with by taking a demon prince because he has his master possession who can just cast his spells and the prince can do busy stuff in the center of the board or wherever he needs to be for interrogation. To that end, you've kind of tailored your army to crank up the damage to 11 because you're like, my secondaries and chaos space marines suck. I'm just going to kill people, and then secondaries will fall into place. Is that kind of the idea? Yes, that's the idea. Uh, <laughs> I, I mean, uh, I have, I've won every game almost by uh, destroying the war army of my opponent. Uh, I mean, against Vic, at the end of the game, he only has the Dark Apostle left. Uh, and that's, that's almost the same for every match I've done, because, yeah, if I took Assassinate, I need to go and search for the characters, and this is sometimes the last thing uh, I get in the game, like turn 4 or turn 5, so I really need to push early in the game to be there with my Abaddon, uh, Discolored, or Permis in their deployment zone to get the characters. That's really interesting on a lot of levels, but I want to give the J- Vic a chance to answer the same question. Vic, what is your general strategy with your army? And I, I imagine it might be very different here, so feel free to disagree. <laughs> well, uh, I mean, I think Alexandra's hit the the play style that's needed for quite a large number of games. I mean, you know, you, you can't you can't score points if if you're dead. So just try and kill them as quick as you can if you've got any deficiency in your secondaries. But at the same time, I think he's underselling how nuanced his kind of player skill was with this army because I think this is an army that does really um, show off player skill and the flexibility of the kind of pace of play that you take. And y'all did play each other. We'll talk about that in part two. <laughs> yeah, this is this is a great... I love that answer already. <laughs> yeah, and um, I think 
depending on, and I know we'll go through that in part two, but depending on the matchup and the particular kind of, if you go first, if you go second, the deployment of your units and the opponent's units, the pacing of how you move your units forward can be extremely different. And with an army like this that is relatively slow moving uh, overall, um, you need to uh, kind of kind of do a little creeping advance with the noise marines and the, around the sides. And I saw Alexandra was doing that very well in all of his games. But there's so many little tricks with kind of putting one model out with the Blastmaster, keeping everyone else in cover, just removing him as a casualty, removing other things as casualties that actually I don't think there's a single playstyle here or a single kind of flow that the game goes. Um I think, yeah, a lot of the time you can just go and kill face, but I think there's also a lot of room for much more nuanced playstyle. You, you really are speaking my language with this answer, Vic. Slanesh isn't about. So, uh, Alex, I want to flip it back to you then. Um, I guess since Vic was saying it's really a skill-expressive army and it's just so adaptable because of its various phases that it plays in and how it's so mobile throughout the prince and its general shenanigans, you seem to have just turned it up to aggression mode. And understandably so, as Vic put it, when you have a deficiency in your secondaries, you have to make up for it, so you've just gone all in on making up for it. Did you just take this as an aggro approach? Are you an aggro player? I don't know if I was uh, an aggro player, because I played a lot of different army. But yeah, I think the game is easier for me when I play uh, an aggro army. I mean, I have Bodangel, I have Harley Quinn before the nerf, and I'm children seem pretty cool. Uh, I've took a lot of... <laughs> I mean, listens from the Discord by Anthony Vanella. So yeah, I, I mean, violence is almost every time the answer in the game, I, uh, I think. Anthony is very much the style player to just go forward aggressively and play Micro 40k really, really well. Yeah, I think I have a lot of playstyle in common with him. I prefer putting the enemy <coughs> under pressure. So when an opponent is under pressure, he has the chance to mate uh, to make a lot of mistakes. And Emperor Children is, I think, for now, one of the best armies in the game to punish this mistake. So if you play a grow, you have the lead on the game, you choose where you want to be and not where the enemy wants you to be. And since the enemy is only in reaction, he has a room to make mistakes and you can punish this mistake and snowball a lot in the game. Uh, I think this is yeah, the, the, the difference between Vic and, and me on that. Vic has a lot of really well uh, rounded list constructed list uh, that he took advantage re- really early on me, but we are going to speak about that uh, uh, later. And yeah, this is different playstyle, and I'm happy uh, Emperor Children can play on different uh, playstyle. But the only thing that in certain, this is an army that needs uh, skill, because uh, you can't put uh, your characters, your brick, nowhere in the middle and fail a charge or everything because you miss one or two turns going back into position. Yeah, you need to be aware of your CP management because you need a lot of CP and I start by one and V by two. So this is really difficult to put all of your trick into the game. So you need to choose and being really great in CP management. Going to, to fix list is that the, there are some differences here, you know, like with the the one blast master, the one noise marines unit with just chain swords, you know, obviously not the same loadout as the other. I'd like to kind of unpack that choice, you know, what what was the value there and why you went with that? So it's like some more toys, like you do have a second venom crawler in your list, and and want to talk about how the, the value you got out of that over the course of your games. 
Yeah. So when building lists, I know I hear you guys say it a lot that you kind of build in little blocks, the modular blocks that you kind of sub in and out. And with Empress Children, it's um, it's a little bit tricky right at the end of list building. And um, the design decision at the end was I really want the second Venom Crawler on this particular terrain set, which is UKTC terrain set. 12-inch moving units are with a 36-inch range gun is extremely valuable uh, with the firing lanes that are available outside your deployment zone. Um, so I kind of squeeze the points by kind of removing the icon and the power fist from that last noise marine unit, which just about allowed me to squeeze in the Venom Crawler. So the Venom Crawler was the last unit added into the list. So you took that Venom Crawler as something other than just like a psychic support thing that was you really had plans for this. Oh, 100%. The Venom Crawler is an extremely great utility piece at 105 points. It's also surprisingly durable with a 1 CP strat for minus 1 damage on it. And 9 wounds and T7 with a 5 up invul. It's really notoriously tricky to completely shift. And it doesn't degrade as well being under 10 wounds. So um, having the second one in there really, um, especially because I have no possessed full 5 noise marine units, actually have quite a high amount of shooting. Um, and the theory was I wanted to, let's say I played against Tau. I wanted to actually give them a shoot-off that they might struggle to win. That was the theory, anyway. The second Venom Crawler def- definitely adds to that. Did I hear you just say you outshoot Tao with this? Easy. No problem, Nick. Got it. Easy, no problem, Nick. No problem. What? <laughs> what? I don't know if Europe Tao is built different, but I, I don't... We're going to cover that in part two. It's a little bit tongue-in-cheek, for sure, but... Hear that Tao in, in Europe? Yeah, it's like, get, get it together. <laughs> <laughs> So let me let's go back to the list listen to how it actually plays on the table. So you both have this ten man terminator brick. I imagine that plus Abaddon makes the central core, maybe with your master possession. Is that the idea? Or well, how do you use that? Uh, yeah, exactly. So um uh, no, never deep strike, always start on the board. Uh, Emperor's Children have have one of the most powerful strats in the Chaos Space Marine book, which is Honor the Prince. It's either an auto six inch advance and or uh, changing one of the dice to a six, you have to do it before you roll the dice um, on a charge roll. So that makes an extremely consistent charge range, a maximum threat range, I think 23, minimum of 18 uh, with advance and charge coming off the Dark Apostle. So if you can move into the middle and cover objectives with your threat range, that's an extremely difficult thing for people to deal with. And it's it's one of the reasons on top of Emperor's Children ignoring hit modifiers of Powerfists are very good. One of the reasons that Emperor's Children Terminators are probably one of, if not the best Terminator brick that Chaos Space Marines can put out. So that makes sense. I, I I see the Terminator brick in pretty much every Chaos Space Marine list that exists these days. And did you guys go full package with uh, and both of you, Fifi and Low Pain and Illusory Simplification, so no hitting on fours and Black Rune and Damnation, so minus one to wound? Yeah, almost every time uh, I put a Rose buff into the Terminators, and maybe later in the game, I need to do uh, the Five Up in the Pain into the. Anything else, I mean, like five enough marines holding an objective or everything, but 80% of the time, all of the buff goes into the Terminators. Yeah, did you find the same, Vic? Oh, but it's also interesting because there are some games, for example, I don't want to go too much deep into it, but Harlequins can't kill Terminators, and there are many armies that can't. And that's because, like, Armor Contempt plus Terminator Body is just too hard for some factions. I mean, even minus one to wound at T5, which you can buff the Terminators up to, is often a step too far for many armies to actually deal with. And then Armor of Contempt in cover, again, is takes a lot of stuff out there. You need to be AP minus three to actually have an impact on that. Um, 
So if armies can't deal with the Terminators with minimal buffs, that does give you the opportunity to switch, say, the Dark Apostles buff onto someone else or the Five of Feel No Pain somewhere else. So there's there's a little bit of nuance available with that. Um, but yeah, like Alexandra says, the, the key concept of the army is to control and threat saturate off the middle of the board with the Terminators uh, and putting all the buffs on them can create this immovable brick that your opponent struggles to deal with and it ends push ends up pushing them quite far around the the corners uh which can give you the chance to control primary I'm with uh, you this, on the is, uh, this is pretty cool what Vic said because against Harley Quinn I like to put my all of my buff into my Termis breach because just to tell them no you can't ever kill them uh, with everything you got you maybe uh, be able to kill one or two and then they go uh, into the corners and if they go into the corners you can just mash one uh, corners because when your terminators are in the middle you can easily reach one of the corners and if you can get uh, like half of the army on this uh, this is almost the game uh, pretty easily turn three turn four uh, this is really different approach and i like that with, with the all right with you got a bunch of noise marines walking around and I hope this is not a spoiler for anybody. Noise Marines are just regular old Marines in power. T4, couple of wounds. Everybody knows armor contempt's okay, so everyone plans for it. How on earth are people not just killing these Noise Marines? How dare you say they're just normal Marines? They're absolutely <laughs> fabulous. Paul. You're right. They cost more too. <laughs> they do. Cost they're more. expensive normal Marines. Now, of course, I'm you know a little bit tongue in cheek here because you know you have layers of abilities or whatever, but they are you know just some foot troops that have been around for 30 years. Like, what is going on? So I think this is an interesting point because uh, a lot of armies which could ignore cover have slowly dropped out of the meta at this point. Um, before we used to always get Hail of Doom and Ignore Cover, we always used to get Admech with a plethora of Ignore Cover. And without that, actually, three-plus armor of Contempt can be very challenging to deal with, um, especially when they're in cover. And... In these Noise Marine units, the special weapons are the Blastmaster and the Power Fist on the Sergeant. Those are your two key models. They're hidden behind three other models which act as ablative wounds for the unit. So uh, it's, it's very easy for you to kind of remove a portion of the unit. And that means that the full killing potential of the unit is still intact. You also have a 24-inch range Apothecary Resurrector model. So you can end up doing very little to these units if you're not careful. And if you do actually want to kill the entire unit, there are tricks the Emperor's Children player can do in terms of hiding certain models in the unit and removing you out of line of sight halfway through your shooting phase. So it can be very challenging to deal with these if the Emperor's Children player is playing them correctly. So. I, we're all, for those of you not aware, a trick you can use is like extending the one blastmer on the outside of the ruin while the four guys hide behind the terrain. And if your opponent can't kill five space marines, mostly in cover, in one activation, you just pull your blastmaster out and the unit's still floating around. But then you have these four space marines with no blastmaster. And isn't that kind of crappy too? You gotta heal them back. You got that master of possession just for that. Um, I mean, I, that is fair. The master of possession does heal a guy, and that's awesome for a variety of reasons. And that's the twenty-four inch resurrection you're talking about. It goes off on a five. <laughs> it goes off on a four. You know, with the venom crawler. I imagine you're using this for your possessed and Alex list, or just terminators in general, or or is it actually? Do you do you not have option overload with things that need to be healed? Uh, I mean, no. Almost every game that was the terminators are going to be healed. Uh, Against Vic, if my memory is right, I think I resurrect one uh, possessed 
once, but I think this is almost every time the Termis or the Noise Marines that get resurrect. Uh, the process, to be honest, is not that good. And I'm pretty sure this is maybe one of the mistakes I made when building the list because uh, I play a lot in WTC uh, with WTC Tyrants and process are cool on these Tyrants because they can hide, go fast and go in the middle with, uh, early on. I couldn't do that into the LGT Tyrants. So I think Vic was right into the fifth squad of Noise Marines because uh, more shooting was better on this one. But yeah, every time the, the resurrect goes into the Terminators. And if you resurrect the Terminators, uh, you can reduce the distance of the charge by 3.9 inch. So that might be really big into a long charge. And, and the way you're resurrecting to increase the charge distance is by healing the model at the edge of its two inch coherency and then adding the width of its base. And all of a sudden, you're three and a half inches closer to your opponent. It's a really cool trick there. Um, three times. Did you find you're always resing Terminators all the time, or how would you kind of use that? How did you make that choice game to game? Um, it varied, you know. I'd say it was very 50 50. Um, I think there were a lot of situations where I'd lost, say, a Blastmaster out of one unit, and I would preferentially resurrect that unit over something else. Because often one flank is better protected than the other with regards to terrain on UKTC. So you can kind of. Uh, move out of your deployment zone into a safe space on one side and on the other side you have to kind of expose yourself a little bit and that's where you can lose a few models here and there um, and in those areas I tended to find myself back to fleshing models back but like Alexandra said the ability to increase your threat range um, on the Terminators especially is very very powerful and it's often game ending if you can get an early charge into the opponent's deployment zone slingshot yeah, and that trick goes even deeper because the Master of Possession can get plus two to cast on his discipline of spells. So that's not smite, not delightful agonies for the five of Fiona Pain. Um, and he can do that for two of his spells. So he can do D3 mortal wounds each time to get plus two to cast. So he can do two D3 mortal wounds to the Terminators, likely kill a model and then heal one back up at the front, which um, suddenly takes your threat range closer to kind of 27 inches at maximum, which is pretty that, wild. That's a trick that people do with Possessed. To, it's like a little bit of guard, yeah. yeah, yeah, a little self-inflicted harm, and then you can uh, then use that to your advantage right there in the same phase. I mean, or pretty soon after. Yeah, I think the big thing with Empress Children is because they have Honor the Prince for one of the dice being a six on the charge and one of the dice being a six on the advance. You get like this Sisters of Battle level of kind of consistency on your threat range that actually makes it like very comfortable to say, okay, I'm going to go here. Especially um, with advance and charge from your Apostle. 100%. you got to hit it on a two plus, but it's still very reliable. And you build Can your turn you around the decision. Force it through with a mortal wound on your guy? Or am I missing? Oh, two, two CP. Very expensive. Uh, but it can be done in any phase. So if you're out of position, you can move and then trigger it off in another phase. So I guess with that in mind, do you ever find yourself choosing between advance and charge, sprint into combat as quick as possible, or make my unit tougher and take an extra turn with it? Um, most of the time, uh, I guess the game is in two time. Like turn one or turn two, if the opponent doesn't make mistake, you are going to be with the uh, illusionary duplication. So your Terminator is going to be really soft to deal with. 
the turn where you land your advance and charge, your Terminator is going really deep into the opponent deployment zone. So most of the time, the Dark Apostle is not in range next turn to cast it on the Terminators. So by turn three, I don't get any more litanies into my Terminators uh, because they are really deep into the deployment zone. And if they go deep, I need to make sure they, they will do enough damage to don't be shift off, I mean. So the turn they go in, I often turn Abaddon uh, Red Corsair, so he's going to advance and charge with them. So I need to make sure Abaddon and the 10 Terminators are in there. This is the way I played almost every one of my game. Like two first turn, going defensive. Uh, if turn two, the opponent was really close, maybe I'm going to advance and charge for uh, an ideal target. Otherwise, if I can charge with uh, supplication, it's the worst case scenario for my opponent because I had my charge and I'm still in defensive profile. But this is uh, the case uh, almost on three. I'm going to need my event and charge against an opponent who know how the approach doesn't work. They're going to be pretty careful. And as Vic said, Honor uh, the Prince is really big. And if you have Abaddon near your Terminators, they are going to have plus one so that charge, so it's actually a 7 plus D6 charge. So that's really big. And you're talking about using Abaddon's strategy, stratagem to change his Legion tactic, essentially, for, for that turn. Yeah. Uh, and then uh, to, to enable some of this. I do get to advance this along a little bit. This has been a great talk about the list, and we'll talk more about that uh, stuff in part two. But we haven't even talked about talked about secondaries yet, and I want to see both y'all's approach to that. Let's make, Actually, let's take a, like a quick station identification break, and then we'll come right back in and talk about the secondary choices each y'all make. Like what you're listening to? Be sure to check out the second part of this episode, where we break down specifically how our guest plays against all the top armies in the game. Want even more awesome Warhammer content? Check out The War Room. The War Room. You'll gain access to the minds of the best Warhammer players in the world with brand new content every single week. Join our amazing community, elevate your game, and enjoy your hobby more. We are back with everyone. Thanks for hanging with us. So the secondaries, you know, we're talking about what things to do on the table and zaps and, you know, bringing back units to get uh, shorter charges and stuff. We haven't talked about scoring a single point yet. And that is actually what's propelled y'all to victory. I mean, of course, the great plays, good list design, uh, but then actually being able to execute on the scoreboard and like talk a little bit about maybe your choices for secondaries. If you have some go-tos, Vic, we can, I'll start with you. You know, do you have, I know some of the secondaries are opponent dependent, but do you have some that you would choose more often than not that you find yourself going back to over and over again? So I've got a little bit more flexibility than Alexandra. I mean, he talked about them a little bit earlier and he's got to go kill, kill banners. Um, I have the option of going for um, one of the kind of action secondaries, uh, like banners, usually banners. I've got the option for going for the long war or no prisoners, which is a kill secondary. Um, and then my third option, because I do have a demon prince as a second psyker in the list, so I'm not losing my buffs by the demon prince casting spells, um, to do psychic interrogation or warp ritual. And preferentially, I tended to go for warp ritual because you only need to do it for three turns for max points. And usually towards the end of the game, when stuff starts dying, you can really pick up those points quite easily. And it means in the early game, my demon prince can cast warp time or smite and be a little bit more flexible really but yeah essentially my plan was always take a psychic secondary um, always take no prisoners or the long war and then the third one was either banners 
or depending on the mission or if my opponent gives up assassinate going for assassinate or bring it down if it's a if it's a knight player so this is really interesting alex already kind of hinted his plan and his list really designed doesn't allow for the psychic secondary that you say you auto take because he doesn't have the team print so he's gone for kill kill banners like you said which is murder the opponent figure out the points later points come naturally through doing it and you've gone for total flexibility with it um i guess one question i have is did you ever attempt your uh emperor's children specific secondary adorn the i forget what it's called but the it's, real it's, question I guess I'm going for is you must have played both very differently stylistically to have Alex always taking kill secondaries and you always taking psychic secondaries. And I want to unpack how you both approach the game. Uh, with the Empress Children secondary is is extremely bad. And I think um, that is one of the reasons why Creations of Bile just completely stands out because this, their secondary is so strong. Um, Emperor's Children get nothing from their secondaries. It's very, very poor. And I, I can't see a situation where you would realistically take it in any game. I don't know if that's the same with you, Alex. Yeah, that's the same. The secondary is really bad. I saw Maybe. Jack take it against Harlequins in the finals of the US Open. Or not Ben Sherwin take it against Jack. Um, he was using Emperor's Children. Jack was using Harlequins. And it uh, did not work out well for him. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it, it's really poor secondary, and every Chaos Space Marine secondary are really bad. I mean, Zilongwar is okay, but yeah, uh, Rise to Glory is really hard to get, and the action one, I forget his name, is, I mean, data but worse. <laughs> so, what's the point of playing that? Playing banners. At last, he's gonna get you five points. If you have a really hard game, you get five points. And with uh, For the Guard, Dark God, it's the name, you get five points by being great in the game. Uh, I mean, what's the point of that? So you're saying for banners, worst case scenario, you raise a banner on your home field objective and keep it safe for five turns for five points. Whereas your alternatives like RD, you just don't have the units for, and for the Dark Gods, you. It, it only really pays off if you've like murdered your opponent and done actions in all the quarters, is what you're saying. Uh, uh, I mean, I've never did less th- than 10 on banners, e- even if this is a mission where I had only one uh, objective in my deployment zone, because Amprotidon is pushing really, really fast into into the deploy- enemy deployment zone. So by turn 2, turn 3, you can raise a banner in the middle objective, and since you have... Uh, Killing the enemy by turn three or turn four, uh, you raise all of the banner into the the board and get uh, like eight points uh, into the end pretty easily. It sounds like stylistically to me, you just took your army and bowling balled straight at your opponent and ran them over. And through your army being able to do good damage in every phase and hard to interact with via close combat, you were really able to successfully kill your opponent. Was did you ever find that you were on by having to run straight forward across the the table because all your secondaries say assassinate and no prisoners? Um, did you find your opponent was able to just turtle up defensively and give you a hard game that way? Uh, I mean, yes, yeah, this is uh, <laughs> Vicky is gonna laugh about that because against uh, David, David Gellard uh, into my uh, fifth round, I think. 
he played needs, so he has the advantage on me because he has me is really better than mine. And needs is really cool at killing marines. So when he, he knew um, I took assassinate, no prisoners and banners, and he had a psychic interrogation, no prisoners and banners, he just had to play defensively and he got the game by like two or three points, but he won the game. And instead, he chose to, to, to try and kill my, my Abaddon. Yeah, he got unlucky on this move because he didn't kill Abaddon with his prince. And my, my Abaddon killed the prince, turn two. So that sweeps the game. But every time, um, even against Harley Quinn, I took assassinate and it may be a really bad idea because Harley Quinn can jump, jump into the, the boat and uh, going around. So the plan is to corner them really fast. Uh, if turn two, turn three, they are already in their deployment zone, being cornered by Abaddon, the Lord Discordant, and the Termis, they can't just hide forever. This was a plan. This was really a difficult plan. This is why you have made some change after that. Uh, after <laughs> this was a really difficult plan. I like that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is difficult. Against Toe, against Harley Quinn, I took assassinate and... <laughs> Every time my opponent was like, hey, you sure? You sure you say the assassinate? When you, you say you always take it, I'm like, surely you don't always take it. Like, do you take it against sisters? Yeah, I took against... Uh, do I you listen to anything? <laughs> yeah, I took against sisters, against Harley Quinn, against Toe, against Nids. Uh, I took assassinate every time. Hey, the uh, results don't lie. I mean, That's you won so. this tournament. I just, uh, I don't know what to say about that. Uh, I mean, I don't know what to say either. Hey, if it works, it works, right? <laughs> Congratulations. Can, can we take a moment to appreciate that Alexandra used Abaddon as bait for a hive tyrant? <laughs> Wild. <laughs> I mean, it, this is the kind of player he is, clearly. I just, <laughs> Abaddon as bait for a hive tyrant. I don't speak the same language as you. I, I mean, my plan was to, to be like, okay, Abaddon is going to die. But with my six, inch, six inches heroic from my Dark Apostle, your Tyrion is going to be in my deployment zone and he can't go back. My original plan was that, but <coughs> Abaddon stayed alive, stayed alive, one shot the, the prince, and I'm like, okay, cool. So that's going to be a big win and not a tight win. So yeah, yeah. against need, I need to do that. Uh, this, this These are the kinds win. of moves that win you LGT. Seriously, like using Abaddon as bait for a tyrant is, is definitely not conventional, but when it's the right time to do it, you figured it out. Vic, I want to switch the conversation a bit to you. Um, you don't seem to have this all-out aggression approach to Emperor's Children using Abaddon as bait for tyrants. So uh, how do you play this game? <laughs> Uh, with the game against Tyranids, or no, you mean just, 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 just like how do you approach secondary choices and tempo of match and that whole thing? Having so, to, even with your secondaries, they're not amazing either way. You do have to get aggressive at your opponent. Yeah, I, I, uh, I think this army is one where you look at it from a very top level. Like you, you, you're over the battlefield and you're imagining where your units are going to end up two or three turns later. And I think there's a moment where you can switch and just go, I'm going to go. And I think armies like this, like Yanari, um, you know, they have that let's go for it kind of turn. And Empress children have that. But I, I personally feel from my experience that it's not always optimal to do that as soon as possible. And sometimes turn three, turn four is the turn where you put the crunch on the opponent. And there's nothing more satisfying than an army like this, which has extreme combat tricks. You've got a six-inch heroic intervention. You've got fight last-off characters. With correct positioning of units, you can create a situation where your opponent has nothing good that they can do on their turn. 
And I think setting up for those kinds of things, at least in my experience, probably gives a better chance of consistency over a long series of games. But what can I say? Alexandra showed that it may just be going all out with this kind of army that works better. Um, but I also think he's underselling the level of nuance that he had in his play because he was very progressive with the way he played his game. And it isn't just put the whole army in the middle. Um, which it may sound like from how he's describing it. <laughs> it does sound like that. That's the, that's the vibe I'm getting. But hey, when you say progressive with his play, and Alex, feel free to chime in here, um, I imagine it's kind of staged in layers. Like turn one, we're exposing nothing, and then we expose the Terminators, and then the noise rains kind of come out once the Terminators are very much upon you. There's a Venom Crawler skirmish turn one. What does that progression look like? Well, actually, that's a great place to stop, because that's some part two stuff I think that we can jump into. All right. I'm eager to get to it. Yeah, so look, if you're, if you're just uh, listening to part one, please don't forget to like, share, and subscribe. Leave some comments, thumbs ups. I mean, you know, those are ways that you can like effortlessly interact with the show that tells the algos out there that other people should be coming to interact with the show, and it means a lot to us. Leave us those five-star reviews wherever you are listening to this podcast. Please, please, please. Thanks for listening. We're going to take a quick break, and then we'll come back for part two. That's uh, the subscriber-only content, where we're going to be talking about all these little nuanced matchups and everything. See you in a minute. Like what you just listened to? Check out Art of War Down Under and Art of War Unbroken on the competitive 40K network. The Art of War 40 kcom Thank you.